Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Okay, healing proofs. Everyone say healing proofs. We're going to look in the Word to find healing proofs. You're going to need these. There's two, re- two reasons for us to study healing proofs. Because you need to build your faith up in this area of healing. Two areas. Number one, for receiving for yourself. You need faith to receive for yourself. You need, you need to be established in the Word so that you can receive healing for yourself. Amen? Secondly, you're going to need to know these healing proofs and you need, you're going to need to have faith based on God's Word so that you can minister to others. When you're ministering healing to others, you need to know the Word. First and foremost, for receiving for yourself. Secondly, for ministering to others. Amen. So when we get into the Word, the Word is going to produce faith in you and others. Amen. The Word is going to produce faith in you. And it's going to produce faith in others. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. The more Word you hear, the more faith you will receive. The more faith you will have. Why is it that people don't have any faith? Because they, they don't have enough word. There was a man that came to Jesus, said, you know, pray for me, you know, uh, uh, help me in my unbelief. Jesus didn't lay hands on him and say, Lord, give him more faith. Because there's no such prayer. Oh, if I come, if I come to the altar here, the pastor lay, lays hands on me for me to get faith. No, you don't get faith by me laying hands on you. You get faith by hearing the word. Now, there is the gift of faith. That's a supernatural gift that comes on people. But I don't have control of that. I can't lay hands on you and give you the gift of faith because the gifts of the Spirit are as the Spirit wills. Just like I can't lay hands on you and make you an apostle. I can't lay hands on you and immediately, you know, make you a billionaire. You know, there's just certain things that they're just not instant. And we are living in an instant gratification time. Well, everybody wants things, they want things instant, they want instant healing, but many times they don't get instant healing. The reason is because they've got to, they, they don't, they haven't built their faith. And you know what? Even if they get healed, they'll lose it. I've had many people get healed in our ministry, and uh, you know, a week later, a month later, they're, they're sick again. Why? Because they come into doubt and unbelief, and you know, um, or, or somebody speaks to them. We had a lady, she was healed from cancer. She was healed from cancer, but her unbelieving husband put so much pressure on her to go get chemotherapy, she died from the chemo. So you better be careful who you listen to. When you hear the word, you need to listen to the word. God's word has to be the the absolute ultimate authority in your life. So we have these healing proofs, number one, to produce faith in us, and number two, to release faith the word of god is there for you to produce uh, the word of god is there to produce faith in you and then also to release faith how do you release your faith by speaking god's word how you how do you receive faith by hearing god's word how do you release faith by speaking god's word say this after me i I receive faith by hearing god's word then I i release faith by speaking god's word amen so that's what we're doing tonight we're speaking god's word and we're releasing faith hallelujah so there are 19 healings and miracles that jesus performed that are recorded in the gospels of course we know that that those are the only ones that are recorded those are not the only ones those are just the samples that are given to us in the gospels right john said if all the miracles and the healings were recorded there would not be enough books in the world to contain them I mean, it it, it was so many. In three and a half years of earthly ministry by the thousands. Because we know for a fact that one day, right, uh, he, after John the Baptist, you know, got his head chopped off, he goes away in a solitary place to pray, and then the multitudes follow him, right? And we find out later that it was 5,000 men plus women and children, so 5,000 families and then they came to him, and even though he wanted to be alone, he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them, and the Bible says he healed their sick. So thousands of people. I mean, how many, how many thousands of healings and miracles happened that place? We don't know. 
but there are 19 specific incidences specific not general like you know he healed all that came to him and 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 he healed the multitudes i'm talking about specific stories where we usually have a specific situation even a name of a person and how they received it of the 19 12 of them jesus spoke of their faith of the 12 12 out of the 19 jesus spoke of their faith jesus spoke something along the lines like your faith has made you whole or be unto you according to your faith or he asked them a question and they spoke out in faith what they were believing god for and they received it okay so 12 out of 19 jesus spoke of their faith your faith woman your faith has made you whole right the woman with the issue of blood your faith has made you whole well how did she get faith she heard about jesus she heard that there was a man going around healing the sick and for 12 years she had suffered many things of many physicians spent all of her money and she was no better so she had, was totally hopeless broken a broken woman hopeless woman but then as soon as he heard she heard about jesus hope 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 came to her heart she began to hope again but it wasn't enough she could have stayed at home and go you know i hope i hope he comes and knocks on my door I hope maybe he'll someday come to my neighborhood, walk down my street. Maybe I could stick my head, head out the window and say, Jesus, Jesus, would you lay hands on me? I hope that happens. No, she made a decision. She said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go find him. And on the way to finding Jesus, even, even in her weakness, even in her unclean stage, she was speaking to herself. If I will just touch the hem of his garments, I'll be made whole. She made a decision. She was expecting and she began to speak. She began to speak exactly what was going to happen. I will find him, and if I may just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she came in the press in the crowd, where the crowds and the masses were thronging him. And the Bible says she reached out from behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says Jesus felt power or virtue, dunamis, flow out from him. And the woman felt in her body that she was healed. And Jesus stops and says, who touched my clothes? And of course, that was a very odd question to ask when you got hundreds of people pressing against you, touching you. But this was a different touch because the other touch didn't release any power. This touch released a power. Why? Because there was an expectation because somebody placed a demand on the anointing. Because the woman placed a demand on the anointing saying to herself, if I will just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. So she was speaking. Say, faith speaks. So she was speaking faith. So faith came because she heard. Well, I guess we can say hope came because she heard, but then that hope turned into action when she finally made a decision to get out of her place and go to get her healing, to get her miracle. Do you see that now? Amen. So 12 times Jesus spoke of their faith. And the other times it was either by the anointing or by the gifts of healing. So it was something that basically God initiated that's what a gift of healing is when god initiates the healing and usually people need that when they don't have faith it's like god gifts them their healing without them having faith and that's a great way to get healed but a lot of times people who get healed by the gifts of healing if they don't build their faith up they'll lose it because it's a gift so um you need to understand that when god gifts you healing and there are situations like that when unbelievers will get healed because we pray for them and they don't even know what you're talking about. But then, boom, they get healed. We have a lady in our church in Turkey. Uh, her name is Özner. She's instructing our Bible school. Been there a long time. I mean, from almost from the first year or so. You know her. I mean, she was not even saved. She was here in America in Tampa going to language school. Her older sister had come before her and... My wife led her to the Lord and this one. So we said, you know, we invited her for Thanksgiving a, a, a luncheon. So she comes to our pa parents' house and her, you know, uh, wrist was all wrapped up. It's like the second or third time I, I met her. I said, what's wrong with your wrist? She goes, well, I injured my wrist. She was working some job, uh, fast food job and just learning English. I injured my, my wrist lifting something. I said, come here right now. And I just took my hand and I put it on her wrist. I said, in the name of Jesus... She went, huh? And she unwrapped her arm and everything was totally healed. And she's like, what just happened to me? It was a gift of healing. 
God gifted her healing and the next Sunday she ran to the she ran to the altar call she's the first one she was running to the altar call that's how she got saved so that was a gift of healing she didn't know anything amen and then basically the anointing came on me to come here give me give me your wrist I'll put my hand just grab the wrist say in the name of Jesus be healed that's all I said and she knew immediately. She said all the, the swelling went down, the pain went down, and she unwrapped the, the thing, and she's like, wow, it's totally healed. Look at this, look at this. She's, the whole day she was going around like this. That's called a gift of healing because she didn't have faith. She didn't even know that was available. Okay. But majority of the time, persons, a person's healing will be linked to their faith. That's why it's very important that we study the word I'm going to go through these uh, um, healing proofs to build up your faith. That's why teaching and preaching the word helps build your faith. Amen. You ready? First healing proof. First healing proof. We are sure it is God's will to heal all today because of God's original creation. We are sure that it is God's will to heal all today because of God's original creation. What does that mean? Think about this in Genesis 1.26. Right? God is perfect. He's the perfection of perfections. God made and woman in his own image. They were created perfect in his image. In his own image and likeness they were created. Well, is, is God's image perfect? Huh? Is there any fault in God's image? He's, he's the perfection of perfections. God's perfect. So they were created perfectly in his image. That's why it says you were fearfully or perfectly and wonderfully made. Amen. And then Genesis 131, when man, when man was created, you know, if you think about the first five days, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And on the sixth day, it was what? Very good. So when man was created, it was very good. That, that means no deformity, no sickness or weakness. If something is deformed, would you call it good? If something is broken, would you call it good? If something, you wouldn't call it good. Amen? So we know that everything was good. And I want to ask you the question, which day did God create sickness and disease? Never. In the six days of creation, you do not find any time when God created sickness and disease. Because there's nothing good about sickness and disease. Is sickness and disease good? Is there anybody here that's crazy out of their mind that would say, well, sickness and disease is good or very good? We'll have to minister to you uh, privately. <laughs> Hallelujah. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. God's will does not change. So God hasn't changed. God didn't change. God didn't create sickness, disease, and God hasn't changed now that he would give someone sickness or disease. Because you know that kind of teaching that goes around, right? Well, God gives you sickness. God might give you sickness or disease to teach you a lesson. Anybody heard that religious garbage? Yeah, brother, you know, sometimes God will just give you sickness or disease or suffering so that he'll teach you a lesson to punish you for your uh, you know, to chastise you. No, the Bible says the chastisement for our peace was laid upon Jesus when he was bruised for our iniquities, whipped and scourged and wounded for our transgressions, and by his stripes we were healed. So the chastisement was placed upon him. God doesn't chastise us that way. That's not the kind of chastisement the Bible talks about, the discipline. We're talking about the chastisement or the discipline or the correction that the word of God brings. Amen. How many of you have ever have been corrected by the word? How many of you have ever been rebuked by the word? Okay, good. I rest my case. How many of you have ever been uh, uh, corrected by the Holy Spirit? Okay, I rest my case. So God has his word and his spirit to teach us, not sickness or disease. God does not teach through sickness or disease. He teaches through his word and his spirit that he's given to us. Amen. 
So if God is perfect and he doesn't change, and since God hasn't changed from the, he's the ancient of days, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if everything he creates is good and very good, and he never created sickness and disease, then and now but we have sickness and disease in the world today, we can be absolutely 100% sure that it did not come from God. Amen? It didn't come from God. We know that it is God's will to heal all today because of God's original design. Amen. Second healing proof, which will build right up on the back of this first one. The origin of sickness or disease. Where does sickness disease come from? If God didn't create sickness and disease, where does sickness and disease come from? Amen. Second healing proof. We are sure that it is God's will to heal all today because we know where sickness and disease comes from. We are sure it is God's will to heal all today because we know where sickness and disease comes from. Amen. Let's go look at a few scriptures. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Is this helping tonight? Romans chapter 5. Let's look at verse 12. So where did sickness and disease come from? Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. Who is that one man? Adam. And death through sin. And thus death spread or disease spread to all men because all sinned. Amen. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, death and we can say also that sickness and disease entered the world because sickness and disease cause death, don't they? Was there any death before they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I call the tree of death because God said, if you will eat of this tree, you will what? Surely die and that's when death entered through sin and through sin and death sickness and disease came to existence god did not create sickness or disease sin and death created sickness and disease look at romans chapter 6 verse 23 if sin came into the world through one man's disobedience and rebellion and death came in, that means sickness and disease came in. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. We can also say that the wages of sin is sickness or disease. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can see God gives life. Sin brings death. Amen. And if we know that God never sinned and can never sin, we need to understand where sickness or disease comes from. So we can say that if there had been no sin, there would be no sickness, no disease, no poverty, no death. What is death? It's separation from light, life, and God. Death, or we can say sin, brought death, which means it separated us from the very life, the very source of healing, health. Amen. That's why our bodies get old. Everybody's been looking for the fountain of youth since Ponce de Leon. They're looking for the fountain of youth. There's no way you can stay 18 years old for the rest of your life. There's no way. Because we are now in these mortal bodies because of the fall of man. Do you understand me? But one day these mortal bodies will become immortal bodies. Will be changed in the blink of an eye. The corruptible will become incorruptible. So right now the world is corruptible. We can see everything's, everything corrupts. Amen. And as much as we want to remain 18 for the rest of our lives, our bodies will get old. The Bible says even though the outer man gets old, right? 
decays, the inner man can become stronger and stronger because it's the spirit that gives life. And obviously, also we understand that because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within us and will quicken our mortal bodies. Amen. So that means in your old age, you'll be full of vitality, youth, sap. You'll renew your youth, strength. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, you'll be 80 and you'll be running around, jumping around, dancing in church, preaching up a storm, going soul winning. Come on, somebody. When many 80 years old, 80 year olds are stuck to a bed on life support, you'll be running around. You'll be walking around. My dad is 78 and he's preaching, man, jumping around, shouting, preaching. He's 78. Why? Because we're full of life. Hallelujah. And it, it brings a quickening to our moral body, so it, it, it sustains us, but it doesn't prevent death. Amen. It doesn't prevent the separation of the spirit from the body. But we need to understand death is separation. So the moment sin came in, we were separated from the life of God. Mankind was separated from the... In Adam, mankind was separated from the life of God. In Adam, all die. But in Christ, all live. So that eternal life and that abundant life was restored through Jesus Christ. But he has still, that's why if you look, I mean, some of the, uh, the early people in the Bible, I mean, they lived to seven, eight, nine hundred years. Amen. And it kept getting shorter and shorter and about 120, Moses lived to 120. And then later on, the Lord set the lifespan of man to 80, give or take a few. Some are less, some are more, but, you know, he'll fulfill the length of your days. Hallelujah. So you should believe God for at least 80, full, 80 years full of life, vitality, and strength. 80, minimum. Anybody dies before the age of 80, I think they're falling short. You need to believe God to be strong and 80. If the Lord would tarry, I'm going to be preaching, traveling the nations at, eight, at, at 80 years of age. I'll be planting churches, teaching Bible school, going on virtual 3D uh, television of whatever they have at that time. You need to believe God. You need to believe that you're going to be 80 and full of life. You're not going to be 80 and, and, and can't even get out of bed. You're going to be 80 and full of life and full of strength. That should be your goal. Hallelujah. So if there had been no sin, there'd be no sickness, no poverty, no death. Think about this. When you take a plant and put it in darkness, guess what happens? It will slowly, it won't die overnight, but in a few days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, it will, it will eventually die. Why? Because light and life. Amen. God is light. God is life. So what is, really, what is darkness? It's the absence of light. There is really no such thing as darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of life. There's really actually no such thing as death. Death is simply the absence of life. You take life away, something just will slowly die. That's what happened. It actually took centuries, millennium for man to not live to, 70, uh, to 700, 800, 900 years. I think the oldest man was what, Methuselah. What is he? Did he live like 900 something? I don't know if I want to live to be 900. I'm ready to get out of here. Jesus, come soon, Lord. 900, oh my God. Get me out of here. I think that's what happened to Enoch. He's like, man, I don't want to be 900 like my great-grandpa. I want to get out of here. And the Bible says Enoch walked with God and God took him. <laughs> he got raptured. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So hence, we can say sickness, sickness and disease is a part of the process of death. And some people just will just die from old age. I mean, they literally just reach an old age and just breathe out their last breath. Amen. Hallelujah. But I don't believe any child of God should just should die from a sickness or disease. I believe when your time comes, you just go, bye-bye, everybody. It was nice knowing you, planet Earth. Love you, whoever your loved ones are. Just wish them, you know, bid them farewell and just close your eyes and breathe out your last breath and go. Amen. That's basically what happened to Brother Hagen. They were having breakfast. He looked at him and he just went like this and he was gone. 
They took him to the hospital, tried to resuscitate him and everything, but he was already, you know, he was gone. He was 87 and he was gone. I mean, he was like, I ran my race. Nice knowing you. Dr. Rodney always talks about his great uncle. He was a Pentecostal pioneer. I believe he lived to be like mid-90s, 95. And um, he'd go on prayer walks every morning at 95. He'd go walk up for a couple of miles and pray. And at 95, that's pretty good. And I was in Bible school when he passed. And I remember he, he, he came and said, uh, my great uncle, he was like a, he pioneered the first Pentecostal Bible school in uh, South Africa and trained up many people. He said that he, that was his, you know, like his um, mentor in the faith. And he says, my great uncle just went home to be with the Lord. And he said, but he'd been calling me for the last several weeks. You re- listen to this. This is amazing. He's been calling me for the last several weeks. And he would say, Rodney, I went on my walk this morning again, but... I was walking in the garden and all of a sudden I found myself walking on the streets of gold. And then I was back in the garden again. And then I was walking on the streets of gold. And then I was back in the garden again. I'll be leaving soon, just letting you know. And they found him just sitting on a park bench. Looked like he had fallen asleep. He just left his body. He was in between the two. That's how I want to go. That's how every righteous child of God should go live a full age when it's time to go just say I'll be leaving soon Paul did that you know I'll be leaving soon of course he was martyred but you know I've run my race I finished my race amen I'll be leaving soon you know and he died a martyr's death hallelujah but John (laughs) the apostle John he was the only one that died of old age and Jesus said that he would be the one to die of old age and they actually boiled him in hot oil, boiling oil, in a big cauldron of boiling oil. They tried to boil him to death, and he didn't die. And they threw him back in the, in the, in the, in the prison, in the, in the you know, dark place, and, and then Jesus appeared to him and lit up the place and said, here, I've got things to show you, and he wrote the book of Revelation. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> when it's not your time to go, you ain't going to go. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was walking in the garden this morning doing my prayer walk and then all of a sudden I was walking on the streets of gold and then I was back in again in the garden walking on the path the dirt path in the garden then I was walking again on the streets of gold I'm between two places. I'll be leaving soon. Hallelujah. That's the way to go. That should be everyone's goal here. No one's going to die from sickness or disease. Not under my watch. Amen. And that's why we preach faith. Well, you know, brother. No, I, I don't know, brother, what you're talking about. I know what the word says, brother. Hallelujah. So I want to challenge everyone here to have build up their faith to believe that you're going to live to an to a old age and be strong if the Lord would tarry. Probably not going to happen for most of us here because I believe time is very short. But if we are wrong and we still have another 40, 50, maybe 60 years, if so, then every single person in this room is going to live to a ripe old age and you're going to be strong you're going to be serving you're going to be 95 you're going to be greeting at the door you're going to be going soul winning you're going to be ushering you're going to be catching at 90 here let me catch i mean somebody you know, teach these young people something jump on a camera serve the lord you're going to serve the lord you're going to be getting up and dancing hallelujah you might be dancing a little slower than others but you're going to be dancing praise god might be a little bit slower amen you may not be break dancing, but you'll be dancing. You'll be, you'll be, you'll, you'll, you'll have happy feet. Karanda, no, no, raste, papa, do, roba. Why am I sharing these things? So that you know. Roy Hicks, who's heard of Roy Hicks? Roy Hicks. Let me see, put, put up, okay, she knows. He, he came and taught us when we were in Bible school. He came and taught us on faith. He was actually the one that coined the, the term, the word of faith. In the 1973 camp meeting, Brother Hagen's first, first, first camp meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Roy Hicks 
was the speaker, and he, he spoke the word, the word of faith. That's where the whole word of faith movement really broke out in the 1970, early 1973, but it really picked up momentum late 70s. Do you understand me? He was the general overseer of the four-square denomination. He came to teach us, and he had probably the most amazing revelation I've ever heard from anybody on the subject of, the commun of communion. He actually had a, has a book on communion. I need to find that book. I'm sure it's out of print. I know I have one in my library in Turkey, but I've got about 3,000 books in my library in Turkey. It's kind of hard to bring them here. But, you know, I need to find that book. But he came and he preached on communion. Pastor Ronnie said, you're going to preach on communion one Sunday morning. He preached on I've never heard such deep revelation on communion. But the man took communion every morning. And he was, by that time, he was already in his 80s. And I believe he lived too close to uh, late 80s and he passed on I heard you know some years later early 2000s that he had gone home to be with the Lord but what happened was his his wife passed on first his wife passed on first and of course you know he was married like 70 years I guess you know and or you know it's a long time he'd been in ministry a long time and married a long time and you know and um, uh, and he was you know he was feeling lonely I remember uh, Pastor Ronnie telling the story that Roy Hicks called him up and said Brother Rodney, I want to, my wife has left, I'm 88, I feel, I feel like I've done everything I need to do, I'm alone, and I want to go to be with Jesus, but I'm, I'm just so strong. I, I can't die and go to be with Jesus, basically meaning I leave my body. And Pastor Rodney said, well, it's impossible, you know, because you take communion every morning. <laughs> so he stopped taking communion three months later or six months later, he went on to be with Jesus. I mean, it's pretty amazing, some of these, these heroes of the faith. You need to, you know, you need to, I, I like to listen to and read after these old school men, not these skinny jeans, soy latte drinking, you know, uh, seeker-friendly 25-minute self-help message mega church speakers, life coaches. You ain't going to never get faith from them. You're going to get methods and you're going to get eloquent speech. You're not going to get the power of the Holy Ghost. And you're not going to get faith. You need to listen to these people that ran the race with faith. This man, he took communion every morning. And Brother Rodney said, you can't die, Brother Hicks. You have the most amazing revelation on, com on communion I've ever heard from anybody. And you're operating by such high level of faith in that communion. Every morning you're touching that. You're receiving life. And you're going to be stuck here another 10 years probably. And he's like, I don't want to be here 10 years. Then he stopped taking communion and he left. And probably was about a good year after that, maybe. You know, he had so much, so much life working in his body in his late 80s. Hallelujah. So this should stir us up because people have walked this way. We have examples that have gone before us. This great cloud of witnesses. Amen. I'm trying to show you a whole realm that, that we, I'm not just talking about just healing. I'm talking about now, I'm talking about health and living long life now. I'm talking about being sustained by the healing power of God. I'm not talking about getting sick and getting healing. I'm talking about just getting sustained by the power. Brother Hagin said that after he got revelation on healing, he never had a headache for the rest of his life. Didn't even have a headache. My Lord, who'd like to live in that realm? Well, guess what? We need to get our faith level up then. So we can say sickness and disease is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. Sickness and disease is the foul offspring. It is a foul offspring. It's a devil's child. Devil's spawn. Its father, the devil, and its mother, sin. So the the devil and sin got together and had babies called sickness and disease. Twins from the pit of hell. This is what John Alexander Dowie said, actually. This was a, a quote by a great minister, John Alexander Dowie. He was a Scottish man, born in Scotland, but went to Australia. And then came to the United States of America in the late 1800s. And had a healing ministry. Before even Pentecost, before even Azusa Street, he had a healing ministry. Actually built a whole city called Zion City, Illinois, north of Chicago. 
whole city. Thousands of people came and, and settled there. And he was arrested over 100 different times for, for practicing medicine without a license. Because people, because people would get healed. When people would walk into the, the hall and uh, the auditorium and the, and, the, and the hallways of the buildings in Zion City. You know, I mean, there was crutches hanging and neck braces and, I guess, uh, tumors in jars and ectoplasm. I don't know. But there's just stuff everywhere. Of people that had been healed miraculous things that's John G Lake came out of that that ministry great healing ministers came out of that ministry and it was later on that Charles Parham went there and and the message of Pentecost baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking in other tongues which started in Topeka Kansas uh, 1900 really basically right there at New Year's Eve and then later on went to Azusa Street through uh, William Seymour and then Charles Parham went to Zion City, Illinois, is actually on decline because Charles Alexander Dowie had lost it at the end of his days. He thought he was Elijah come back. He started to dress like Elijah, and he thought he was Elijah. So he kind of went off at the, at the, at the end. I mean, you've got to also be careful when you carry that kind of power and anointing and influence. You know, so he, and so everything was kind of, there was financial... Uh, collapse of the whole thing. I mean, they built a whole city. And um, financial collapse. And then Parham went there and had revival and, and took the message of Pentecost. And the, that's where the message of Pentecost and healing came together in the Zion City, Illinois revival. And if you took church history class with me, we studied that. How many of you took church history class? You remember me teaching about that? Remember that? So... Came out and John Alexander Dowie said, Sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. And this man had a powerful healing ministry. Not sin, nor results are the will of God. Is sin God's will for you? If, if God's will for you is not sin, then God's will for you is not sickness or disease. Sickness and disease is death manifested in the natural. Sickness and disease is death manifested in the natural. Hallelujah. We only got through two of these. I think I'm going to do three and then we're going to pray. Is this helping tonight? I've taught this before in life group, but we never recorded it. So now that we have these Wednesday nights, we have this recording. I want to make sure that we have this so people have access to this teaching. There's going to be hours and hours of teaching on healing proofs. This is to help build your faith, right? For you, because for you to receive faith and then also for you to release faith. Even as I'm speaking this tonight, not only are you receiving faith, but we're also re releasing faith. When we pray and minister to you later in a few minutes here, then it's, we're going to be releasing, through faith, we're going to be releasing the power of healing and deliverance and restoration in, in your in your life, in your body. Amen. Amen. Healing proof number three. Healing proof number three. We are sure it is God's will to heal all today because sickness is a work of the devil. We are sure that it is God's will to heal all today because sickness is a work of the devil. Job chapter 2 verse 7. Job 2 and 7. Bible says, Satan smote Job with sores. Satan smote Job with sores. Not God, Satan smote Job with, with sores. Amen. Psalm 41 and verse 8. Psalm 41 and verse 8. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. What kind of disease? Evil disease. Who is evil? God or Satan? And actually the Hebrew says, a thing of Belial. 
So evil is the word there, Belial, which is a, one of the names for the devil. And evil disease. So the Bible calls disease evil. There could be nothing from evil that comes from God. Only good comes from God. Healing is good. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. Jesus said, Whom Satan has bound this woman, concerning the woman that was bound with the spirit of infirmity for 18 years, Jesus said, Whom Satan has bound, speaking about the woman. Woman, be thou art loosed from your infirmity, Jesus said. And the woman all of a sudden stood up. She had been bound, hunched over basically for 18 years like this. Imagine being 18. And, and there was nothing physically wrong with her. She was bound by a spirit of infirmity. What does that mean? A, an evil spirit had attached itself to her body, physical body. She wasn't possessed, but she was bound in her physical body. See, you can be bound in your physical body. You can be bound in your mind. You can be bound in your soul. Now, let me tell you this right now. As far as Christians are concerned, a Christian cannot be fully 100% demon-possessed. Why? Because they have a born-again spirit. But they can be oppressed or they can be bound by an evil spirit. An evil spirit can gain access into a Christian's life through their soul. What is that? Mind, will, and emotions. If they have unhealthy emotions, hatred, bitterness, Envy, jealousy, offense, those are unhealthy, wicked emotions. And if you don't protect your heart and your mind, it'll give access to demon spirits. Evil spirits can, can gain access to a, a Christian's physical body. And oppress them through an infirmity. It's called the spirit of infirmity. This woman was in the synagogue... And Jesus said, woman, thou art loose from your infirmity. Amen. And then, of course, when the religious got offended and upset that the woman received a miracle, Jesus said, this woman whom Satan had bound. So we know that her condition was a bondage of Satan. Amen. How about this one? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good and healing. Who? All. Who were what? Oppressed of the devil. Very clear. You cannot have a more clear statement than that. An evil disease whom Satan had bound. Disease. Those that were oppressed of the devil by disease evil disease what did jesus do good what was the good he did heal them healing is good bondages bad sickness disease bad it's actually evil you should not tolerate just as much as you should not tolerate sin in your life you should not tolerate sickness or disease in your life just as much as you hate satan you should hate sickness or disease that's why the devil brings all these false teachings, false doctrines into the church to get Christians that are gullible and ignorant and deceived to accept that somehow sickness or disease is good and they need to be sick or diseased for God them to teach, for God them to teach a lesson or that God will not heal them. In this case, you know, I know he can heal brother so-and-so, but you know, God just wants me to have this one because it's my thorn in the flesh. Sickness and disease is not your thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh is persecution. Would it be God's will to have the work of the devil in our lives? No. If sickness and disease is evil and it's a work of the devil, why would he want that in our lives? Would a work of the devil bring glory to God? Would an evil work in your life bring out holiness? Would an evil work in your life bring out anything good? 
good does not come from evil. You overcome evil with good. Healing overcomes evil sickness and disease because God is good and he heals. Hallelujah. Whew. Man, I'm starting to feel the anointing. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Our body is there to glorify God. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the temple of God. Why would God want his own temple destroyed by sickness or disease? Think about this. As a father, I'm going to build a house, bring my family into the house, but then I'm going to run a bulldozer through it when they're sleeping. What, would, what kind of father would that make me? An evil father who needs to be locked up in prison for life. It would make me an abuser, a child abuser. And if you think about it, inadvertently, many Christians are calling God a child abuser. The moment you say that God gave me the sickness or disease to teach me a lesson, you're calling him a child abuser. He's not a child abuser. He's a perfect father. He loves us. He loves us. John chapter 10, verse 10. You know this one. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Does sickness and disease steal? Yes, it robs you of your life, money, livelihood, time, joy, family members, all kinds of things. Does sickness and disease kill? Yes. Does sickness and disease destroy? Yes, it destroys bodies, it destroys families, it destroys lives, it destroys destinies. It is a destroyer of all that is good. It's a killer of all that is good. It's a thief. Luke chapter 9 verse 56 says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he healed. Because disease is a work of the devil. That's why he healed to destroy the work of sickness and disease. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8 says, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 1 5 says, in God there is no darkness. Sickness and disease is a dark place. Anybody ever been in that dark place of sickness, disease? It's a dark place. There's no darkness in God. He's light. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says, there can be no fellowship between light and darkness. There can be no fellowship with God and Satan. There could be no fellowship with healing and sickness and disease. Healing and sickness and disease cannot coexist. When healing comes, sickness and disease has to go. When life comes, death has to go. When light comes, darkness has to flee. When freedom comes, all bondage is gone. Come on, close your eyes, lift your hands to Jesus before we begin, before we begin to minister to people. We'll minister by the laying on of hands but tonight I've spoken faith over your life I've given you healing proofs to encourage your faith to build your faith do not tolerate for one minute in your life sickness or disease now sometimes it might be an injury it's not really a sickness or disease you had a car accident somebody hit you or you fell or something happened or there could be situations people have things from birth there was a man who was lame from birth at gate beautiful but Peter said silver and gold such as I have none but silver and gold I have none but such as I have give I thee and rise up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk and he did there was a man who was born that way and then they, the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus says, no one. In other words, we know that Adam sinned and there's sin, but it's not necessarily also that just because the fact that you get sick doesn't mean you have sin. It just could be under attack. It could mean sin also. It could be an open door. You need to close to the enemy. It could be offense. Offense will open the door to sickness or disease or depression or bondage could be hidden sin of the heart it could be other things 
or it could just be that you're under attack just because you live in this on this planet like I shared about Sunday morning we don't even know what we're breathing and drinking and eating sometimes because there's evil men out there that are literally poisoning the food supply the water supply the air just to kill because they are demonic Luciferian people so that's why we have supernatural protection so lift your hands father I just thank you for every single person here tonight others that will be watching this service whatever symptoms whatever forms of sickness or disease they're dealing with tonight in the name of Jesus we decree and, we decree and declare the power of God to destroy the works of the devil the healing anointing to destroy the work of sickness and disease the healing power of God the healing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to destroy every form of bondage every infirmity every physical attack every physical mental attack every demonic attack that comes to steal kill and destroy I take authority over it in the name of Jesus you foul evil disease we will not tolerate you anymore you foul evil infirmity tonight we put an end to you we take authority over you we cast you out you foul spirit of infirmity you will no longer you will no longer you will no longer wreak havoc you will no longer work your evil work in the name of Jesus I speak and release healing over you healing in your physical body and for some healing in your soul the mind the will the emotions the hurts the pains physical pains emotional pains to be totally healed we thank you Lord for the healing virtue that flows and as your people by faith reach out place a demand on the anointing to receive into their bodies into their lives your power tonight thank you Lord thank you for tuning into my podcast I hope that you have been blessed I would like for you to consider two things number one subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts number two support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website riverwpb.com thank you for tuning in look forward to you joining our next podcast god bless you